0: What now? Well, good morning. morning. This morning I'm going to take you on a journey. You guys ready? That's three of you. (laughs) I hope those watching online are ready to go. Are you guys ready for the journey? What we're going to do is we're going to experience the rise and fall of nations. We're going to cover a period of time that we'll see infamous rulers and dictators rise to power. We're going to cover a period of a number of centuries. So let's buckle in. Here we go. We begin in the first century. That's when the gospel of Christ is spreading throughout the Roman Empire. But there is this man named Nero. And the fact of the matter is he strongly opposes Christians. When I say strongly oppose, here's what he did. He would have Christians taken to the arena and torn apart by dogs. Christians burned at the stake. Then in the middle of the second century, fast forward a little bit, you come across a man named Marcus Aurelius. He comes to power, and he viewed Christians as rather superstitious, and in fact, they were so superstitious that they, that we, that the people of God were those who actually were the cause of natural disasters. And you'd say, well, what? How is that possible? Well, it's possible because they would not worship the deities of that culture, and so therefore, we were seen as superstitious, and we had to be seized Tried and executed. That's just the first two centuries. Let's move into the third century a leader named Decius. He comes to power. And the empire is coming under attack, and he viewed Christians as the major part of the problem. Do you guys see a theme here? First century, we're the problem. Second century, we're the problem. Third century, we are the problem. And so what he did is he demanded their submission to the gods of Rome. When they refused, you know the story, persecution ensued. Let's skip ahead to the ninth century. Then there's a group called the Vikings, they're not just a football team. What they are is they're a group of people who pillaged and persecuted Christians in the, began in the ninth century and then carried on for many, many years after that. Skip ahead to the 14th century, then you get the plague, or Black Death, as it was called. It swept across the world. It killed nearly one-third, let me say that again, one-third of the world's population Many view that in that time period as divine punishment. That's the 14th century. Then we'll fast forward on into a little more recent times. That's when you come across the Great War, World War I, brought tens of millions of casualties. Then we get to the Third Reich. I don't think I need to cover what Hitler accomplished in his time period, manipulating Christianity and overrunning the church in Germany. Let's not forget the sickle and the hammer that opposed Christianity and laid the foundation for the Cold War. It's quite a journey, huh? You guys encouraged? You say, wow, pastor, that is exactly why I came to church today. I wanted to hear a little bit of that. That's what I needed. To be sure, the journey is rugged. If you look throughout the history of Christianity and the history of humanity, it is a rugged road that we have traveled. And I know that many of us today are coming here and we are concerned about what's happening in our world. We see the coronavirus, we see the vaccination, we see the political unrest, we see all of that and we bring it together and we have honest, real, thoughtful questions. I know some of you have kept those questions inside. You haven't ventured out on social media with those questions while others have. What's important for us to know this morning is that since Jesus walked the earth, God's people throughout human history have experienced things in their own time period, in our own time period, that we would look at and we would say, is that the end? Are these signs of the end of time? And yet, as we could see from our journey, time continues to move forward. Time marches on. So what are believers to think today? What are we as Christ followers to do today in our own culture with all the things that we see unfolding around us? How are we to respond? Well, thankfully, Jesus gives us some insight. It comes in the form of a sermon. And we're going to turn there in just a moment. But before we do, let's pray. Gracious, holy God, We quiet our hearts to you today. We have gathered as your people to worship you. We desire to do that with all of our being. We desire to do that in spirit and in truth. So God, meet with us now as we open your word. We acknowledge, we proclaim that your word is true. It is truth and has everything we need to walk in faith to give us guidance in the midst of the chaos that we see unfolding around us. But we need your Holy Spirit to do that. We need the power that you provide as you abide with believers, God. We pray that you would empower us in this day and in the week ahead. So God, give us eyes to see the truth that's found in your word today. We ask for ears to hear the truth and then the humble hearts and courageous hearts to live it out. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are beginning a new sermon series. It's called What Now? How Tomorrow Shapes Today. And it is a series that is based solely upon the words of Jesus. What He's doing is He's sharing prophetically from the Mount of Olives. And so therefore, if you are a Bible scholar at all, you may have heard uh, the term, the Olivet Discourse, that's what we're going to be listening to today. So, I'm going to encourage you, grab your Bibles. Uh, We're going to be turning to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to pick it up right there at the beginning of this chapter. We're looking at Matthew chapter 24. If you are following along in the ESV Bible, you will find that on page 829. Here's what Matthew writes. Jesus left the temple… And he was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all of these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, privately, saying, Tell us when all these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end Wow. That is a lot for us to unpack. So let me summarize here quickly. What we're going to find is we're going to see destruction. We're going to see a lack of faithfulness. And ultimately, we'll eventually get to the end of the age. And yet at the core, at the very core of what Jesus has just told us is a central message that carries great significance, The good news forgiveness and redemption will be proclaimed throughout the earth. The gospel will be proclaimed throughout the world. This is why the title of our sermon series is now what? How tomorrow shapes today. Because of what Jesus reveals about the future. Because of what he says is ahead, that should guide the way we live today in our world. It should impact the way we view things amidst the chaos. So what's going to happen today as we dig a little deeper into this text? We're going to find three warnings or three declarations that Jesus makes about the future. Three things. First, Jesus declares the great destruction. He declares that there is a coming great destruction. Look back at verses 1 and 2 with me one more time. Jesus left the temple, and as He was going away, when His disciples came to point to Him the buildings of the temple, but He answered them and He said, You see all of these? Do you not? Are you guys paying attention? Are you looking? Truly I say to you, There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. The imagery here is something that you and I should not miss. You see, at the end of Matthew 23, we read that Jesus is is physically walking away from the temple. He is leaving the temple, that area. He's walking into the foothills the Mount of Olives. And as at this moment He offers this prophetic warning of a coming destruction. He declares the end of the relevance of the temple. He declares it boldly. But <laughs> there's humans involved and so the disciples, they wouldn't necessarily understand what He was meeting Immediately. Probably not unlike you or I, if we were journeying with Jesus, we, in that moment, we probably wouldn't understand what He was meaning immediately either. But the key word there is immediately. You see, the disciples in this time period were pretty struck by the beauty and the grandeur of what was the temple. In another gospel, we read these words, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings… They loved it. And yet Jesus is true to form. He makes this bold statement, this bold proclamation. He prophesies the complete and utter destruction of the temple. And, church, that's an event that would be fulfilled in 70 AD when Jerusalem would fall at the hands of the Roman Empire and the temple would be burned. Now, for some of us, we might think, wow, that must have been a significant blow to the people of faith. If you were in faith, that had to be a crushing blow. What actually happened was that it was a beautiful picture of the dramatic shift that Jesus was making. In that moment, what we are seeing is a tremendous shift that took place at the coming of our Lord. You see, the building, the priests, and the sacrifices, they all served as this sort of shadow of a heavenly reality that is actually found in Jesus Himself. You see, in Christ, we have the temple. In Christ, we have the mediator. In Christ, we have the sacrifice. And so, in Christ, (laughs) in Christ is where pure worship takes place in Jesus. And this is why Jesus Himself declares in John's Gospel destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. That's our Lord. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor, that is wonderful, great truth. Amen. What does that have to do with me? How does that connect in any way with my faith here today? The personal application for you and I might come uh, a bit later. It might not be there at first glance, but I want you to know that when you take a step back and when you see the big picture of what's happening here, things come into a little better focus. As Jesus walks away from the temple, and when he speaks of its coming destruction, what he does is he exposes religiosity. He says it's false. He exposes faux holiness. He said it's false. He exposes idolatry. Jesus, in this moment, forever changes the narrative, and he does so in power. In power. You see, the very foundation of our faith rests solely upon Jesus, who is the Christ. It rests upon His life. It rests upon His death. It rests upon His resurrection. It is all about Jesus. So if you are here this morning, whether you're in person or watching online, I want you to know That if you are trusting in anything apart from Jesus, he's pursuing you. He is pursuing you. He is calling you to himself. Perhaps that's why you're here. Perhaps that's why you are watching online today. Because he wants to be in a relationship with you. So often we hear of the rules and the regulations that come with the faith. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's exposing the exact opposite. He says, it's not about the temple. It is about me. (laughs) So Jesus is calling you to a humble, authentic faith today. That's the application. Now, let's continue on in our text. Let's pick it up at verse 3. As he sat, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will the sign be of your coming and the closing of the age? They, like we are, are inquisitive. They want to know. And Jesus says to them, See that no one leads you astray. Isn't he curious he doesn't give them a specific answer, does he? He just says, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name. Many will say, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And Jesus says these words, see that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Church, this leads to the second declaration that Jesus makes about our future. Jesus declares a coming great deception. Jesus declares that there is a great deception on the horizon. Now, let's remember, Jesus has told the disciples that the temple in the city would be destroyed, right? He's already established that. Now, Jesus draws them near, and He warns them of false teachers. He warns them of false views of the end times. He warns them that wars and rumors of wars and even natural disasters have all been allowed by our Heavenly Father to move the world toward its redemptive conclusion. You see, Jesus wants His followers to recognize that these things should not necessarily be assumed as a sign of the end times. Now, I know it's hard. It was probably hard for the disciples, and it is hard for you and me to understand this because sometimes we view these things and we say, well, man, that has to be a view of the end times. That has to be what's coming. And that's why we took that journey to begin today. Because every century, every generation has their thing where they question, is this the precursor? Is this the thing that will move us and usher us into the end times? But I want you to know Jesus has something far more important in mind. Perseverance. Perseverance. You see, clearly in this text, when we see this, this is Jesus speaking prophetically. No question about that. But what's often overlooked in this portion of our reading is the idea that Jesus is speaking pastorally. He's giving a picture of what's ahead, but he's also caring in that moment pastorally. He wants followers of Christ to walk in faith, to not be led astray. Even when the world seems like it's coming undone, like it's coming unhitched, he says, walk in faith, persevere, follow Jesus. Think about this. Jesus knows what's ahead. And he tells his friends in that moment, I'm going to give you a glimpse. There is destruction and there is deception on the horizon. But what does Jesus say? See that you are not alarmed. See that you are not alarmed. Do not be led astray. Do not follow the latest view of of the sign of the times. Do not buy in to the latest apocalyptic proclamation. Don't buy it. Instead, Jesus brings his disciples close, and he says, I want to encourage you, don't be led astray. Walk in faith. Church family, that is tremendous news for you and me today. That's a great source of encouragement. It's actually a really important practical application for you and me in the season that we're living in. Now, I want to be really candid here about some things. Over the course of the past few months, I've received a number of messages asking about the cultural, the political events of our day. Why why isn't Woodside speaking directly into those things? Why am I, as your pastor, not speaking directly into those things? And I know that sometimes my response to you of those questions has not necessarily been satisfying. Because instead of entering into speculation, as many on the Internet have, we've not preached on those things. I have not stood on this stage and made this connection with what's happening in our world and drawing a line to how it connects with the end times. That's not what I have done. That's not what we have done here at Woodside. As your pastor, my heart has not been to evaluate current events. I believe there is something far more important, something far more significant than what's happening and how the current events align with prophecy. My calling is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. My calling as your pastor is to encourage people to come to know Christ and the hope that is found in Him. to point believers to the cross and to the person of Jesus as our only source of peace in this world. Do you know why? That's what Jesus did. Jesus did not enter into the narrative. He simply said, this is coming, but I have something that I care about for you. I want you to walk in faith. Do not be led astray. In our text today, our Lord warns the disciples not to get tied up in the speculations, but instead to persevere in faith. Now, let's look at the final portion of our text. We're going to pick it up at verse 9. It says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We're going to stop right there. It's quite a list, isn't it? I mean, again, I'll say... uh, Pastor, I thought I was coming to church to be encouraged today. I'm reading this text, and there's not a lot of positive in that text. There's tribulation. Awesome. There's hatred from all nations towards the people of Jesus. Fantastic. All right? People are going to betray one another. They're going to hate one another. Awesome. Then we're going to hear some false prophets and a whole bunch of lawlessness. (laughs) Cool. Cool sign us up, right? It's pretty intense. You see, Jesus wants the disciples and all who read this to know that what lies ahead is not for the faint of heart. But then, in the midst of that, Jesus steps into it, and He makes a great and significant declaration. Listen to the words of verses 13 and 14. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. <laughs> and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, then the end will come. You see, this whole portion of our text closes with a word of encouragement. Actually, two significant areas of encouragement and that's what we're going to close with today first is the great news that men women children who endure those who persevere in faith will be redeemed will be redeemed now i know this is is the like a great cliche but it's true the christian faith is not a sprint it's a marathon It is a marathon, and certain miles we clip along at a much better pace, and other miles are a struggle, but it is a marathon, and we're called to endure. Now, I want to be very clear about something. Jesus is not saying that salvation comes by our endurance. Salvation is by grace through faith. Salvation is by grace through faith, but what Jesus is declaring to us is that faith endures. Faith perseveres, and perseverance, that's the mark of the redeemed. And the second encouragement is somewhat similar, but it is on a much more grand and significant scale and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world. This means that the troubles that Jesus has told us about, the issues that will be endured by the disciples, the persecution that will come for believers in the near future and in the long-term future, none of these things will hinder the advancement of the gospel. None of them. So, believers, Be encouraged today. Because Jesus tells us that the troubles that we see in our world today, when we look around us, and let's be honest, they are many. But they will not hinder the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our world. Church, in a world filled with bad news... Let's go and be the bearer of this good news. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.